I mean, this is our first, you know, global pandemic virus. So naturally, the the fear is we don't know what's going on. So I'm not going to buy a house right now. I'm not going to sell a house right now. People are hoarding toilet paper. You know, we don't see that right now. Even with the rise in cases, you know, I, 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 I do kind of channel checks. I don't see people hoarding toilet paper anymore. So I think the fear of the virus, the initial shock of it, put the housing market in kind of in a comatose state. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, we're still alive. We can still, I'm still working. I'm going to buy a house because remember it's shelter. This is the housing bubble had so much of investors because people wanted to make money. This is basically people looking for somewhere to live. So if you're employed, mortgage rates are low. Hey. Three months ago, the U.S. economy registered the most monthly job losses in history. Last week, it registered the biggest leap in existing home sales ever. The housing market has defied dire predictions during the coronavirus pandemic, with prices recently soaring to record highs. What's going on? For insight on the housing market, I turn to Logan Matashami. He's a longtime California mortgage broker, now an editor at Housing Wire, and his chart wizardry makes him a favorite among journalists and on social media. Logan is an unabashed housing market bull and I'll let him tell you why. It makes sense if you are a young person thinking about buying a house and you're not in a terrible position, maybe you kept your job, you're working remotely, that now would be a great time to buy a house, right? Because there should be bargain hunting, but there is very little bargain hunting out there. That doesn't make any sense, I think, to a casual observer. So explain to them what's happening. Housing is the cost of shelter to your own capacity to own the debt. And for myself, my work has always talked about, you know, years 2020 to 2024 uh, was going to be good for housing uh, just because the housing demographic patch right now in this in this brief five year period is, is the best ever recorded in U.S. history. And I'm a long time believer that mortgage rates would head lower, not higher. So what happened in 2020 is that the start of the year, housing looked really good. For the first time in this, uh, in the last 11 years, housing was outperforming other sectors. New home sales were up, existing home sales were up, housing starts were up 40% year over year uh, in February, and then this, you know, exogenous sh- shock happened with with the virus. So immediately, people I think have a little bit of bad memories of the housing bubble, and they just think that home prices were going to crash or go down. But it was the exact opposite in the sense that uh, inventory was low, uh, uh, monthly supply inventory and total units were low, demand was at cycle highs, we had double digit purchase application growth. So if you take the first few weeks of, of the uh, COVID, uh, COVID-19 virus, the lockdown protocols, the mortgage market meltdown that we had in, in, in the middle of March, you know, initially people would think, well, you know, we get a bargain, but after a few weeks, you saw purchase application data rebound. And now, you know, even during the last eight weeks, we hit 11 year high and the rate of growth is actually faster now than it was uh, before uh, COVID. And And it makes sense to me in the sense that you have the biggest demographic patch ever. And now you have the lowest mortgage rates uh, in recent modern day history. Those two things are the things that drive housing. Um, and the forbearance plan has delayed any kind of future uh, supply shock until 2021. So we're just basically continuing the trend that we had in January and February of this year. 
I mean, it seems remarkable. We have, you know, this event that sends 30 million people out of their jobs, right? And everyone else playing this game of freeze tag, at least at the beginning. I've heard it described as simply as this. Uh, demand and supply both both received a shock and both went down kind of in lockstep and now back up in the sort of classic V-shaped recovery. Is, is, that, is that at least explain part of this? Well... You know, when, when people look at the unemployment reports and the jobless claims data, I think for me, one of the things I've tried to explain is that we always had 133 million people working throughout this entire COVID-19 uh, uh, crisis. Uh, and if you look at the housing market, the existing home sales market itself, all it needs is 4 million mortgage buyers per year to have sales be stable. Because we're not working from an overheated housing market like we did from 2002 to 2005, where existing home sales were running at 7.26 million with a credit bubble, you know, we were we had steady growth in purchase application data from 2014. Then this happened, but all of a sudden, we, it's years 2020 to 2024. So you have this massive demographic patch, and then the first-time homeowner is actually in a, in a better financial position. And the majority of those job losses were tied to people with, I would say, renter financial profiles or current renters or, you know, uh, 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 people that were going to be renting for a while. So housing is this one of these, uh, uh, at least home buying is, 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 is a little bit, you know, protected in the sense that the people that lost their jobs right away were not home buyers or home owners in a sense. So we do have this forbearance plan. But when you have the biggest age group ever in U.S. history, ages 26 to 32, and the first time median home buyers 33, you have good replacement buyers each year. So now you see we had a V-shaped recovery in purchase application data. We had a V-shaped recovery in pending home sales. We had a V-shaped recovery in builder's confidence. This week, we're going to get existing home sales and new home sales. They're going to show kind of a V-shape. And we're just back to kind of the trend. And I think that's just, it's just, housing is typically not this violent in, in its in its moves up and down. So we're just, we're just returning back to what it was before. And we don't have the fear of the virus anymore in us. So people are not pulling back on their transactions. I knew some people just, they didn't want to buy a house. Some sellers took their homes off the market. It's a little bit different now in, in, in ways that housing, the industry of housing looks at COVID-19 and home buyers and home sellers. Yeah, things like um, open houses weren't allowed in a lot of jurisdictions, for example, right? At the beginning when we well, didn't know what yeah, was going well, on. There were, some, there were some areas that open houses weren't allowed, but there, there were just people. People just didn't. I mean, I mean, this is our first, you know, global pandemic virus. So naturally, the, the fear is we don't know what's going on. So I'm not going to buy a house right now. I'm not going to sell a house right now. People were hoarding toilet paper. You know, we don't see that right now. Even with the rise in cases, you know, I, I, I do kind of channel checks. I don't see people hoarding toilet paper anymore. So I think the fear of the virus, the initial shock of it, put the housing market in kind of in a comatose state. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, we're still alive. We can still, I'm still working. I'm going to buy a house because remember it's sheltered. This is the housing bubble had so much of investors because people wanted to make money. This is basically people looking for somewhere to live. So if you're employed, mortgage rates are low. Hey, and especially now, some people said, hey, listen, I don't have any bidding competition anymore. You know, uh, the, the last uh, uh, two months. Now, the since the market is coming back, buyers are coming back, sellers are coming back. But those people that actually stayed with their transaction said, hey, listen, I just gave they, they might not have gotten a discount to the price, but they they weren't in any of the uh, bidding war action. So 
it, it, it seems odd to people that home home sales aren't collapsing and home prices, but it, it's perfectly normal to me just because housing is driven by demographics and mortgage rates. And right now in the history of America, we've never had this good of a demographics and we haven't had this low of a mortgage rates combined together. Now, going out in the future, you know, uh, you know, we just had the longest job and economic expansion ever recorded in history. So housing is a process, right? The people who are buying homes today didn't just get their jobs. They kind of got their jobs two, three, four years ago. So um, the process of being a home buyer is going to be delayed or there's going to be a shock because some people just lost their jobs. We don't know when they're going to get their jobs back. But it's nothing like what you would see, let's say, if, if, what renters are dealing with. If, if there wasn't any CARES Act, enhanced unemployment benefits, you'd see more rental deflationary. So the, the stress to me was always on the, especially the low income renting side. It was not a housing situation. Uh, housing didn't have a demand problem uh, going into this. And you can see right now it doesn't have a, a demand problem anymore. I like the idea of toilet paper sales as a leading indicator for housing sales. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing I saw when when California started to stop its uh, uh, or to inhibit its um, uh, uh, reopening again. You know, I, I, I every day I went to see if people are hoarding toilet papers. They weren't anymore. Right. Back then. I mean, I live in Irvine, California. I, I our Albertsons were stacked with everything all the time. Everything was gone. You know, water was gone. Meat was gone. I, I, I personally have never seen that. We don't see that anymore. I think the country is starting to learn to live with the virus and just the initial shock, the fear of having a global pandemic, the fear of everything uh, stopped the housing market. But then after a few weeks, people said, hey, I'm still alive. I still have my job. Mortgage rates are lower. I'm going to go through with the house, you know, so. And I, I think it's worth stressing that number you mentioned, which I find fascinating, that really what you need is four million buyers to keep the housing market afloat. And that's yes, because, a small yeah, number. Yeah, I mean, if you look if you look at, you know, currently right now we have 138 million people working, so four million. It's not like car sales. Car sales need about 16 to 18 million car sales a year to hold it. Housing right now needs roughly four, because we have about you know 15 to 20% cash buyers as a percentage of sales. So if you look at it in that light, I think that's, a, that's the easiest way to explain to people. If you just need 4 million mortgage buyers and the biggest age group ever in U.S. history or ages 26 to 32, so you have people there, right? People need shelter. People need a place to live. And the people that, you know, still kept their jobs are the kind of the middle to high income wage earners. So there shouldn't be a kind of a huge uh, demand drop off. But what we saw was just a fear and panic of the virus and after a few weeks, you saw purchase applications bottomed out really three or four weeks into the into the crisis and then started its way back up. And it is a, not not only a full fledged V shape, we're growing faster now. I'm telling people we can't we can't sustain this kind of year over year growth in purchase application. data. We're seeing 33, 21, 18 percent prints. We were running about 10 percent year over year growth the last three or four weeks until the until this crisis hit. So. Um, if you look at it in that light, it makes sense. And I think, again, economics itself is always demographics and productivity, but housing economics is driven by demographics and mortgage rates. And right now, this little period in time in history is, is the best ever we've had. I saw you wrote recently uh, with a couple of ideas of what could actually stop 
turn this V shape into a W shape or, or what are a couple of the things that, that might turn this around in a, in a negative yes. way? So because it's, it's, we're in middle of July. Uh, so to, to, to have a kind of a W housing, it, it would really require a lot of extremes. And number one, the, the cases have to just explode higher to the point where it creates fear again. And even though we've had an increase in cases in Texas, Florida, California, and Arizona, so far I haven't seen the, the same type of fear that I saw in March, you know? And, and it's not like people are telling, you know, uh, you, can't, you can't, you have to close down your housing transaction. So, so if you got fear of the virus, that the virus kind of went, went you know, parabolic, uh, or we had a, an official, let's say, a winter second wave where all of a sudden everyone's getting the virus and the flu and everybody, you know, th that would be something that would need to occur if you want a W, which I don't think I don't think we could even get a W in the economy just because that initial shock was so deep. It's really hard to kind of do that again. But uh, also credit needs to get tight. I think the story of this year for housing, which still to me doesn't get enough attention, the fact that Freddie and Fannie were part of the government. Uh, they weren't taken out of conservatorship. They weren't publicly traded companies that weren't uh, uh, being supported by the government like they are now. Credit was able to flow. We had the mortgage market, a little bit of market meltdown, mortgage rates went up 1% for a week. Certain uh, uh, sectors of, of, the, of, of the demand curve, you know, like um, non-QM lending, FHA, low FICO scores and jumbo loans, those got hit. I would, so I would, I would estimate about 45 to 6.2% of loans that could be done before March 9th couldn't be done in the same type of fashion. But Freddie, Fannie, FHA, because they're part of the government, right? The government doesn't have a stock price that drives it down and people are worried about profits and, and capital ratios. The government lending actually facilitated not only the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history, but Freddie and Fannie would have probably been trying to be taken back into conservatorship. Their stock prices would have been down. People would have said, you know, they're, they're going to lose too much money. They never had to worry about that. Not only did the credit flow they were able to give forbearance quickly. And I think that's the story of housing that probably needs more attention, that Freddie and Fannie not being publicly traded companies kept credit flowing. And the US economy is all about credit. If you look at the St. Louis Financial Stress Index, it had a big spike, but then started to come back down. And they, some of the, you see this in retail sales now, credit is flowing a little bit better now. And that's the key to the US economy where the housing bubble had a credit bubble, had a credit default swap issues. And, you know, uh, uh, credit was not flowing back then. Housing credit was flowing for the most part. Just a few sectors were being hit. And we had 10 million or so homes just dumped on the market in all sorts of condition, right? Yeah. And and I, and, and one of the things I think, uh, you know, during the housing um, bubble year, sales were existing home sales were at 7.26 million at, at the peak and new home sales were above uh, 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 one one million. So it, it it isn't like we're working from elevated levels. We started the year existing home sales were about five point three million. Uh, home sales were flat last year. Real home prices adjusting to inflation were actually down last year. I thought that was a really beneficial thing for housing. That you you just don't kind of see that adjusted to inflation home price growth like we saw from two thousand two to two thousand five. So we don't have an overheating housing market. It was actually the weakest housing market ever recorded in history the last 10 years. So you're running the weakest cycle into a stronger demographic patch. And I think that was one of the reasons why in 2018, we saw the new home sales sector being hit dramatically. 
when mortgage rates got to 5%, our monthly supply for new home sales never even got back to those levels because, you know, the demand is, is right there. As soon as credit fear was going away, people started buying homes again. I think that's a really important thing is that when you come from the weakest cycle ever, then you run into a good demographic patch and rates are low. You know, that gives you that gives you stability. If mortgage rates were above four and a half percent, I would have a different mindset. And that's why I always tell people, be careful when the 10 year yield gets above two point six, two percent. Housing tends to cool down. But as we hear, we're here today, 62 basis points on the 10 year yield. That means three, three percent mortgage rates and lower. Uh, there are people who are getting uh, two handle mortgage rates now. So it's uh, uh, it, the backdrop is, is, is good enough to keep housing going. And that's I think that's the story that the initial fear was was unwarranted because the virus can't kill off the best demographic patch ever and the virus can't kill off low mortgage rates. Okay, so give some hope to bargain hunters still. There's we've been reading a lot about urban flight or you know and all housing is local. Is are there any examples in specific areas, you know, people are leaving cities to head to the suburbs because they feel like they're safer is any of that going on? Here's here's my I don't put much weight into that talking point. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say why. People have been leaving cities to go buy homes and suburbs for, for, many, for many years now. And, and, and I talk about you rent, you date, you, you mate, you get married. Three and a half years after marriage, you have kids. You don't live in apartments in the city anymore. You buy something bigger for your family. I think the political narrative and the virus narrative is trying to create a story that isn't really there. Uh, um, it's like, oh my God, everybody is now, I, I'm just going to move, buy, sell homes. No, I, I just think that this trend has been here for a few years, didn't, didn't really get enough attention because why? Because I think a lot of people said millennials are broke, they can't buy homes, student loan debt crisis. I never found that to be valid. So I'm very skeptical of the political, ideological and virus notion that all of a sudden things changed on a dime. No, I think this has been going on for years. It just never got the attention it warranted. So, and I'm very skeptical of anything that is said during a crisis. You need, you know, once the virus is gone and people are able to walk the earth freely, let's see if people are working at home uh, in big fashion, or let's see if people are really living, leaving these cities for suburbs beyond the normal trend that we have seen for years. Because when you when you get married and you have a kid, you don't live in your apartments. You basically buy a bigger home. That's that's how it's kind of worked for many years. And now that this huge millennial patch is kind of in their 30s, this is what happens. They 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 buy a house for their families uh, to live in. So uh, I'm very skeptical uh, of that whole narrative, just because I think I mean that's that's been going on for some years now. It's just it just picked up here due due to the virus. So is it fair to say that if you were talking to someone who was saying, I'm going to hold out because I know prices are going down because of this virus, you would tell them that they're I would tell them what I've told work. everyone for, for the last 10 years. Housing is the cost of shelter to your own capacity to own the debt. You're buying a payment and you're buying a home to live in for yourself and your family. Uh, if you're trying to time a market, you're not a home buyer. You're an investor. So uh, uh, you, you have to live somewhere. Uh, and if you're tr if you're if you're if you're truly are a home buyer because you want to buy a house for you and your family to live in, guess what happened? Millions of people that actually buy homes, that's what they do. I think the narrative of timing pricing is more for real estate investors or podcast stock traders or people that come on TV. Uh, but people just don't operate that way. The majority of people actually just 
you know, when it's their time to buy and they have the financials to own that debt, they buy homes. There's there's a few people that think like that, that I'm not going to I'm going to cancel my transaction because I know home prices are going to go down 20 percent. I see it every year since 2012. I've, I've talked to people like that. That is the complete minority uh, of home buyers. Home buyers are people that just are looking for shelter to live in. So uh, my advice to them, you know, it's the cost of shelter to your own capacity, own debt. If the home, if you're looking for a bargain, maybe you're not a home buyer. Maybe you should be a renter still. Uh, home buyers are kind of people that do financially well. They're ready to go. They don't kind of you know meander or have these kind of thoughts. I, I have to hold. I have to wait. I have to wait. So investors do because investors need a certain price to make a profit. Home buyers typically not in general are like that. Even in the worst uh, days of the housing bubble crash, we still had over. Uh, uh, 3.4 million total home sales. There, there are buyers there, and uh, they just don't—they just don't operate that way. Well, there's an awful lot of wisdom there, Logan. Thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure.